1: Are you ready to talk money, Rev?
0: I'm ready to talk money.
1: That's really good because this is the show where we talk about the hard issues around money. If you're just joining us, there's lots of archive shows and uh, you can find those at morethanenough.ca and chri.ca. Those uh, web pages have the player already installed, ready to go. You just hit play and go. If you uh, have a podcast and you're a podcast person, then you can listen to them on your favorite podcasting platform whatever that may be and if you can't find it please let us know at morethanuf.ca and we will see what we can do about getting it on there welcome to the show we it's just Reb and I. it today. is just, Reb and it's I. just Reb and I. yes
0: but we want to tell you that the show is sponsored today by our special friends at CrossPoint Financial and Brent Vandemier.
1: And for those of you who haven't heard of CrossPoint, Brent has been on the show a number of times. He's a financial advisor, and what we love about the the, the people at CrossPoint is is they work for you. They are independent, and that just means that they aren't tied to a particular bank. So what do they? Their interest is totally in seeing you manage the money that the resources that you have in a way that not only glorifies God but also brings increase for you. So mm-hmm. that's our good friends at Crosspoint and uh, we, look them up.
0: Yeah, yeah, we thank you for sponsoring the show today. Perfect. So today we're actually um, going to continue a conversation that we started like a month ago but because we've had all sorts of interesting shows in between, we're revisiting it because uh, I think this
1: is like the last, the first time in like a month that it's just been you and I in the studio it, alone. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I yeah, it's been uh, yeah, a few weeks anyway. Anyway, I can't keep track anymore. You know, I just show up. We're just having so much fun. So, but this is, I hear David every day talking about mortgages, talking about clients, talking about what people understand and know. Some people are really educated on what it takes to buy a house Mm -hmm. or property or investment property. It's amazing. And I refer back to Um, Brent Vandermeer actually weeks ago who said it's part of our stewardship actually to um, understand our money and our investments and all of those things which really convicted me because I don't always care about that stuff sometimes I let you think about all that and so I'm still mulling that over because it's not quite my personality type what interests me but anyway that's another story However, I said to David, okay, can we please do a show to tell people what they need to know, the basics of getting a mortgage, the basics of home ownership. If you come to our office, Dave, what do people need to know? And that's what this show is about.
1: Right. So to jump right in, kind of Mortgage 101. Yeah,
0: and we forgot scripture. Oh, we, we, uh, oh you got your on it. Uh, right? Good thing you're on it today man.
1: Uh, so so when we talk about mortgages and and that idea, I think the first thing that comes to mind is this idea of preparation in the sense that mm. often we there's an expectation that we have in our culture um, and, and I'll just summarize it like this, you know, you, you graduate from high school, you go to to university, you get a degree, that you pay off the student loan or student debt, of course, you're getting through that. And then the next step is I'm going to buy a house. And so there's there seems to be this organic expectation that when here in Canada, you should own a house. Uh, mm. That's a bit of an anomaly when we look at that from a global perspective. Mm. Um,
0: and I do think that's changing with the generation of our kids because houses are so costly and their incomes aren't matching what's needed for that house. But but yes, in our generation and a few decades below us, that is like you go to school, you get a job, you find a partner, you buy a house, you ha- maybe have kids or not. But it's just this progression, right? Of- and that,
1: that's where I want to kind of f- focus our attention okay. today. Is to say it does take preparation, and whether that's the trajectory that that you move on, or whether you do it a different way, one of the big things to to recognize is is that when you're buying a house, it, it very much is the single biggest investment that we make as people, Uh, it's not the only investment we make, but it is the single biggest investment we make. And so we need a place to live. And buying a house is certainly uh, allows you a place to live and hopefully appreciates and and the house gains more equity as time goes by. But we need to prepare for that. We need to, to, in a sense, educate ourselves. And that education sometimes doesn't just take... Two hours in a in a seminar, no. I, I, you know, <laughs> no. half hour on. Let's talk money with Dave and, Reb, and I know how to to, to buy a house, uh, or I'm all ready to buy a house. No,
0: please don't don't do that. So, <laughs> well, I heard this show and they said this. Yeah,
1: so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe the disclaimer needs to be inserted here, right? Uh, anything you hear on this show can and will be held against you. No, just anyways, we won't go there. But. So Luke chapter 14 is, is one of those uh, chapters. Uh, and as you go down to uh, verse 25, Jesus is talking about being a disciple. But what I want to draw just from this little passage and, and, and pull it out of context a little bit is, is Jesus is talking about counting the cost, He's saying you need to think this through and be prepared when you be when you commit to being my disciple. Now, buying a house and being a disciple of Jesus, do not compare. There's my disclaimer. We are pulling this out. But verse 24, again, the wisdom is right in there. And he says, don't uh, begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating to see the cost uh, to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. And then he goes on to say, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? If he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot be uh become my disciple without giving up everything you own. And then Jesus goes on. And and again, the the idea there, and, and that's what I want to pull out of those verses today, is, is that Jesus is saying, let's stop, let's meet with some counselors, and in a sense, let's take some of the emotion out of this uh transaction. Uh, you know again, you see the there, there could be lots of emotion in in those two examples. The first is is you know somebody wants to build the tower um, and all kinds of reasons why they might want to build a tower, but we certainly don 't want to get halfway done and then realize we can 't finish mm-hmm. um, and then in the second example, again, the king meets with counselors is saying well you know, I'm angry, they're marching to war at me, you know, I need to defend myself. There's all kinds of good reasons why he might go to war. But again, taking a step back, sitting down with some counselors and saying, okay, so what happens if we go to war? What happens if we engage in this endeavor? Are we going to be able to be successful or not? Because if we're not, then maybe there's a different way. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's a a different solution. Mm -hmm. And so, again, as we talk about that in the context of buying a house, there's really only three things practically that one needs to buy a house. You need to have some employment. Okay. Right? So stable, secure, regular income that comes in, uh, again, from the rules around the bank. Uh, If you're uh, an hourly employee, if you're paid by the hour, then – the banks want to see two years' worth of consistent, regular, stable income. Right. Right. If you're on salary, there's a little bit of grace there. You can actually get away with kind of six months' worth of stable, regular income if you've got a contract that uh, you're working on. Again, there's a few little variations around income, but the point is... is you and, need a job. You need a job. And, and
0: consistently have a paycheck.
1: And you need to be able to prove that you can actually pay back the loan. Right. Right. Uh, that you are asking for that you're taking out. So the, with the income, it's really all about do, do, are you making enough? And is your job stable enough as best as we can figure it out to, to pay back the loan that you're, you're asking for. So, you know, you need some income. Okay. Stable, secure, okay, regular.
0: We're going to circle back to this again, sure. um, just because there are some variations like us. We are entrepreneurs and self-employed kind of. So what do we have to do then? But, well, but, we can
1: discuss that now. Like, okay. honestly, Reb, it, it's it's still the same question. Is, you know, can we prove that stable, secure, regular income? Um, and how do we do that? Uh, and, and so as self-employed people, yeah, we... We do things a little bit differently. We're more in control of what income we bring into the house, what income right. we declare. Right. Whereas when you're an employee, you, this is your paycheck.
0: Right. Yeah, the, you've you, decided yeah, that, yeah. however that's happened. The T4 says what it is exactly. and, and all of that. Right. So so does, does an employed person have to have more proof, like longer proof, like say two years of the income that your business has been you know you just mentioned a 6 month mm-hmm. thing that you know pay stubs or whatever is that is it a bit harder for an entrepreneur a self-employed to to prove
1: well here here's the 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 tension with a self-employed person because when we're self-employed we often do our our taxes and our uh, our income And we lean fairly heavily on our accountant to avoid taxes. Right. And I I don't mean, you know, evade taxes. I mean, just avoid taxes. We want to reduce the amount of income tax that we pay. And as a self-employed person, we can do that legally. And there are ways that you can do that. So your accountant, the, the advice you get from your accountant will always lean towards you need. Uh, how can we reduce this tax liability? Mm. Because it is, uh, in a sense, a regular debt that that you owed to the government, a regular payment that you owed. Um, and so the tension is, is that as a, a lender, the lender wants to see stable, secure, regular income you, that yes. is going to be able to support the loan that you're taking out. And so if if the accountant is trying to reduce. your taxable income, and your lender is saying, please show me your taxable (laughs) income, there is a tension there and helping to navigate that. So the two-year rule is really, again, comes into play. If you're self-employed, we want to see two years worth worth of stable, secure, regular income. And that income has to be, excuse me, has to be at a level where you're going to support the loan that you're taking right. out. Yes, um, which
0: which is wisdom. So right? working yeah. with your
1: counselors, working yeah. with the accountant, right. working with your mortgage broker to say, what do I need to show on my taxes so that I can afford the loan that we are thinking of doing? And sometimes you have to think two years in advance. Right. Um, and, so
0: and And just to reiterate, some people might be thinking, oh man, that's like being a, you know, Uh, messing with the system a little bit but Mm. this is completely above board in how many businesses operate and entrepreneurs because it's because there's great risk at the same time in being self-employed you know there we said that the other night to somebody i'm just thinking about yeah let someone you know when you have an when you're an employee you let someone else take the risk and you just get a regular paycheck but when you have your own business you might not always get a paycheck Uh, right. right? So that's, there's just that risk factor and the government allows us certain flexibility with that, but say, okay. So saying that, so we've got an income, we've proven that we have the income to buy the house. What else do we need?
1: So next number two on the list, one is income. Number two on the list is we need a down payment. We, We need to provide, in a sense, uh, often we, we say this in the financial world, we have to have some skin in the game. yeah. And uh, most, uh, again, this is a little bit of a change in the last number of years. I can remember five and six years ago, uh, there were lots of mortgage products that essentially allowed you to buy a house on a 40-year amortization with zero money down. Really? And so, you know, again, it goes back to what is the criteria we need? If you had a, a job, then... You were you halfway there. You wouldn't
0: have, six years ago, you could get away with not putting any money down as a down payment? That's
1: correct. And so, uh, you know, you were going, okay, I want to buy a house. I have a job. I've been employed for six or eight months, and I'm on salary, and I want to buy a house. And then we would find a mortgage product that would suit that. And again, with a 40-year amortization. That's a long time. Uh, it was a long time, but it also reduced your payment down. So then... What you were paying in rent was was often often more than what you were paying for the the mortgage payment. And that was the appeal.
0: Right. So, then people would say, well, I might as well be putting it towards my own property instead of just, we say it, throwing it away. Mm-hmm. We hear that mm-hmm. phrase, that your rent money is throwing it away, which is a whole other story. Yeah, but that's
1: probably another it's, podcast. That's probably
0: another podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So now, though, what what do you need? Because that's changed. The government got tighter because of what was happening in the states with the recession and all of that. Well,
1: 2008 was a a pretty big wake-up call. Um, Nobody really expected that to happen in the U.S., although all of the signs were there. Right and those same signs are in Canada and we're in Canada in 2008 our banking system is a little bit different it's a little bit more robust and we essentially didn't have the uh, the real estate
0: Follow. bubble yeah, burst right, yeah.
1: in the sense of saying that and so you know there were there were a few other things and and really it does come down to volume in the US there just was significantly more people just barely on the edge of making it and so though when when the bubble burst people just simply picked up their stuff and left the house because they couldn't afford to stay there anymore and so banks are not in the in the house buying uh, industry they're in the money lending industry and so that created a cascade and so that's 2008 and since there's some things to learn that we can learn from that but yes for sure the the last 3 years specifically 3 to 4 years the rules have tightened up around okay what do we need to do in terms of minimum criteria but also um helping to protect the canadian consumer And the government would say we're helping to protect them from themselves. I'm not so sure that's the case. How far does that go? And and again, that's probably another show we may never do. I know. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, but we do need 5% as a down payment as a minimum.
0: Is that just on a first time home? That's on
1: any home. Okay. So any home you need at least 5% down. Uh, And then... There is also some closing costs, and there's some costs of moving. So again, we use about a percent and a hash, half of the purchase price, just as an estimate to say, listen, it's not just the five percent. There is the there are some costs that are are connected with the finalizing of a mortgage. So
0: that includes legal. lawyer fees.
1: Lawyer fees, uh,
0: appraisal. Uh,
1: appraisals if there's no land transfer tax uh, again if you're a first-time home buyer there is a a discount with that and again these are all little nuances that happen which we're not going to get into today But no. the reality is is it is going to take a, a little bit of money to get the final things arranged on your closing date and, it's, and that you know also includes just Hey, the pizza and beer for the guys that are going to help you move, right? <laughs> right? I mean, there's there's an added cost to that, and so keeping that in mind and building in some of that margin, and and we do that. So, really, the minimum down payment is six and a half percent, if you will. Five percent goes towards the mortgage, and another percent and a half for all of the closing costs.
0: Okay, all right. So, so that's number two. So we've got an in, we've got money.
1: Got an income.
0: And we've got a down payment, and I come in and I say, "What else do I need?"
1: So just before we go there, we're going to talk a little bit about what, where the down payment came from.
0: Oh yes,
1: <laughs> because
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to take it just out of my RSP. Okay, oh, that's fine. In.
1: Perfect. If you're a first-time home buyer, then you don't pay the tax liability, which is great.
0: So if I have ten or twenty thousand dollars in my RSP, I can pull that out, correct, and hand you twenty thousand dollars and say.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: So that that may, if you're a first-time home buyer, then there there's that,
0: That's only for a first-time home buyer. For,
1: well, anybody can pull out money out of an RSP, but as we know, every time you pull money out of an uh, RSP, there's a tax, tax.
0: But a first-time proportion. home buyer doesn't pay that tax. When Correct. It's, well, that's an incentive.
1: So the incentive there is is that um, you don't have to pay the tax. For 15 years. Right. Let me qualify that. So you need to replace that $20,000 in the next 15 years um, or you will be charged the tax okay, on the right. difference. Okay. So again, that's not such a big deal, but know that that's the case. This okay. isn't, it isn't a free loan. Uh, you need to actually replace that RSP money in the next 15 years.
0: So, but are there other hitches with the disc down payment? Like where can people get, so hopefully people have it in an account, they've saved up and here it is and here's our down payment.
1: And and that's exactly what needs to happen.
0: But what happens if my kid wants to buy a house and I am a mom and dad and they're going to buy the house, I'm not co-signing, but I can give them some money for the down payment. What happens then? Well,
1: if you're a mom and a dad, that works out quite well. We, of course, look at, okay, where did you get that money? Where did you get the money? Because
0: so so my child, Justice, is buying a house, and I say, I'm going to give him $15,000 for a down payment. You, as a mortgage broker, come and find out where I got the money?
1: Well, not necessarily. It's not like we're going to do a full <laughs> audit. What we are going to do is make sure that you had the money in the account. Okay. And then we're going to track that money from your account right through to the kid's account. Okay. Um, and here's the reason why. This is a little bit different in terms of it's all about fraud. This okay. is a large cash transaction, right? $20,000, yep. dollars in a cash yep. transaction. And um, in in Canada right now, Ontario is one of the largest places where there's lots of real estate fraud. And what that means is, is people are taking money that they've got from dubious sources and they are actually buying houses They put a large cash down payment down on the house and then they turn around and they'll sell the house uh, six months or a year later. They weren't interested in buying a house. What they were interested in was getting rid of a large lump sum of cash.
0: Oh, I've never even thought of that. I guess I'm not devious enough to figure (laughs) all of that out.
1: And how does that affect Rebecca? It's all about the documentation. And so some of the frustration around down payment comes from... Why do I have to prove where this money came from? Right. Well, because... Because fraud exists. Fraud exists. And so, again, for the vast majority of us, probably 99% (laughs) of us, we're honest, and this is an honest transaction. But the 1% that is doing it, in a sense, devious, and I don't know what the percentages are, but the small percentage of people that are actually laundering money then the rest of us pay for it.
0: Right. So yeah. that's why the documentation issue is because, so some of you may not know that, but when you buy a house, you have to like, there's some documentation there like, that needs yeah, to be submitted. Quite a bit. So. so don't get frustrated. It's just part of the process. That's
1: right. And that's, that's been the biggest swing that we've seen in the last uh, six to seven years. Is More
0: documentation. Is the
1: documentation, the proof needs to be there and it needs to be there Um, beyond a shadow of a doubt and so if there are questions or there are doubts and that's again one of the reasons working with a broker the broker advocates for you keeps the banks a little bit on keel um in a sense that sometimes the the requests are are you're going really i've proved this three ways to sunday and you're still asking for more proof tell me what's going on And, and again as a as a um first time or as a per- person buying a house, you don't need to, to be involved in those discussions. That's what your broker is there for. Right. So, yeah. so recognizing that. Uh, so when we come to down payment, it really is about making sure that you have the the cash. If it's come from a gift, it's a family member, for sure you can get the gift. We're going to track the money from that family member into your bank account. And then obviously to the end of the transaction, whenever the house buys now if it's your own money then it needs to be in your bank account or we see it accumulating over a three-month period if you get an inheritance again it's a simple we don't want to know where the money came from where's the inheritance okay it came from there that's not a problem and and again we can prove that
0: i think i think this might be in like a revelation for some people that mm. that the tracking so what if i wanted to borrow the down payment from my neighbor
1: well, that gets a little bit dubious now, doesn't it? So, and
0: I, Don't borrow the down payment from your neighbor.
1: In fact, it's a pretty hard and fast. You cannot yeah. borrow the down payment from anywhere for your personal down. home. For so your so for your payment. primary residence, you cannot borrow the down payment um, for your primary residence. You can borrow it for a rental unit. And again, this is where... All of the math comes in and all of that. But the reality is, is for your primary residence, the expectation is, is that you are going to have that money essentially in cash and that you have gained that money somehow whether it's you earned it, whether you got it as a gift from a, a you know, family member or whether it was an inheritance, mm. something like that, but it is not borrowed funds. Okay,
0: interesting. All right, so, okay, we still, now we Number have three. Three. three, we only have a few minutes left.
1: Credit Profile. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we, we're leaving that to the yeah. end because we actually already did the show on Credit pr- Profile, so if you go back to the shows that are in April, you can go back and we it's talked there. a yeah. lot. We took the time on that show to really talk about... What is credit and what is your credit profile? And, and the bottom line there is, is the better your credit profile, um, the, the better your interest rate. And this is mm-hmm. where connecting interest rate, uh, your credit profile is probably the largest thing that affects your, your interest rate. Yes, the down payment and yes, the the income could possibly affect your interest rate. If you're self-employed and you're trying to, um, you know, do some debt servicing, your interest rate may be affected a little bit. But the the idea here is is that the higher the risk, the higher the interest rate, and that's just the rule of thumb. So if in any of those three areas there's something that's just not quite a hundred percent then you still might be able to get a mortgage. It just might cost you a little bit more.
0: So if a person hears that from the Bank of Canada, interest rates are like this, and they call you up and you say, well, I just you know, heard this on the radio you know it's not necessarily that they're going to get that rate because it's dependent on their own story and their own credit profile and all of that
1: yeah it's so it, it's a little bit like uh, and this is one of those uh, industries that you know the advertised price is certainly the best price right that that's the mm-hmm. teaser But often the best price that's advertised online or in in the window is only for a small percentage of the population that actually qualify for that and the restrictions around that type of rate. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, again, the last question you actually need to be asking is... What is the rate I'm getting? It's an important question. No ifs, ands, or buts. And
0: lots of people are very focused on that rate. Right. Yeah, that's their rate, rate focused. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, the prepa- going back to where we started and saying there is some preparation that needs to happen. You need to have employment. You need to be saving for your down payment and getting that in place. You need to be looking at your credit profile and making sure that it is good and robust and that you're paying your bills on time and every time and that you show a great credit profile profile. those things happen all the time and they happen in the context of our daily lives Um, and then we start going okay now uh, I can at least start investigating what is it gonna look like to buy a house and I'm gonna end with this when we look at the mortgage we look at those three things but we still ask the question yes you qualify for X number of dollars but we want to know what you can afford And sometimes what you qualify for and what you can afford are two different numbers. And so I'm going to wrap up with that.
0: And if you want to know if you can afford a home, just come in and see us. I'm going to give us a little plug because it's part of what we do. Mm -hmm. You come for a financial health assessment as part of your mortgage application so that you can understand. So, Father, we thank you so much that you... uh, are the giver of wisdom and in all of these things we can seek you for answers and the wise counsel that you put around us and we're th- thankful for that today in Jesus name. Mm-hmm.
1: Thanks Reb and just talking about wise counsel we thank again the, the people at Crosspoint Financial for their support and uh, if you need to hear that archive show back in uh, April uh, more than enough.ca chri.ca and of course any of your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks, and join us next week when we talk money. Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness, where God is transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow.
0: For more information or to comment on today's show, please visit morethanenough.ca.